4: into the Loudoun County School Board for their gross negligence. Virginia's Attorney General Mark Herring should be investigating those responsible. All right, that was the voice of Glenn
1: Youngkin. He did a a very uh, rowdy, uh, I guess, an appearance last night, I think, in a fire station uh, in Virginia. And he's running, of course, for governor of Virginia, and that race is coming right up. It's heating up. He's running against Terry McAuliffe. Uh, who was the former Democratic governor of the state of Virginia. And really, it's boiling down to what happened in Loudoun County. People are very upset about the rape of a young girl in the bathroom, the lack of reporting by the schools, the denial that it happened. Uh, It's a horrific situation. We're going to talk about, uh, kind of talk about more information that's coming out about that in just a second. Uh, But meanwhile, um, uh, Terry McAuliffe was on a Zoom call and he was uh, addressing sort of the same issue in Loudoun County. And let's listen to what he had to say. Clip three:
5: uh, We don't teach critical race theory here in Virginia. It's
0: never been taught. But in Loudoun County, everybody's stirred up. Everybody thinks we're teaching, you know, that you know every white person was a slave owner. I mean, it's just not taught. I'd say it bothers me in the sense that it's a racist dog whistle. It's not taught here in Virginia. We got great schools. We're number one in the country for higher ed. We're number four in America for um, K through twelve. And the way he's stirring these parents up and using children as pawns, and but whatever, it is what it is. And uh...
1: Yeah, so it's a racist dog whistle, the whole notion of critical race theory, which is all in the big mix of what's happening in Loudoun with uh, the, the transgender agenda that's being pushed by that school board. It's just been amazing. And I think we've talked about one of the, the most, I guess you have to, if you have to rate them, there's one school board member, I think her last name is Bart. Uh, who was the most objectionable, the one that was the most rabidly pushing, uh, but she's not alone. So that would don't think that there's one person only. It's just that she was the vocal person, the most outrageous, and she has resigned as a result of this, uh, but uh, but it's not enough. In fact, Youngkin last night is saying that uh, these people need to be held accountable. Someone needs to be held accountable. He says a young girl was sexually assaulted in her school, and the administrators, those who were trusted with not only her education but her safety, tried to cover it up. Uh, and they quietly moved the offender, an offender being prosecuted for sexual assault, to another school where he was able to do it again. Two young girls have been sexually assaulted because our system, our system failed to protect them. And so the battle is really kind of raging over that. And um, uh, the, again, the election is November the second. Uh, Stacy Abrams came in to support Terry McAuliffe. Stacy is the uh, failed candidate for governor in Virginia. Who? Uh, no, uh, sorry, in Georgia. Who? keeps claiming that she actually won uh, the race. In, and, and and there was no, at the time, in uh, Georgia, there was no uh, really any kind of uh, reports of voter fraud. But Stacey Abrams right away said she was hardly known. People did not know her. They knew Brian Kemp. He's the one that beat her. He beat her handily. But she has always said that the race was stolen from her. And according to what I'm reading, she said it so much that Democratic voters actually do believe this. I'll tell you, uh, I'll just read to you what our friend Jay Christian Adams, who often hosts for me on this show, had to say about that Christian is, of course, a former Department of Justice civil rights attorney, and he's the president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. But this is what he said. I'll give a $500 gift card to anybody who can find a federal law that mentions voter suppression. Um, He said, it's a term invented by the left to blend the legal with the illegal, the acceptable with the unacceptable. It's a way to brand and taint people who believe in election integrity by grafting them into the bloodline of Jim Crow. It's a fake term that doesn't exist in the law. It's used to smear people who advocate legal things. And the reason I went through all of that detail is because Stacey Abrams was standing next to Terry McAuliffe, who was grinning and nodding wildly as she said the following. Let's listen, clip five.
6: You see, I'm here to tell you that just because you win doesn't mean you're won. We've got folks who are ready to take back what they think is theirs, but they are not entitled to our progress. They are not entitled to our justice. They are not entitled to our votes. But either we use them or we lose them. I come from a state where I was not entitled to become the governor. But as an American citizen and a citizen of George, I'm going to fight for every person who has the right to vote to be able to cast that vote. And here in Virginia, you need to cast that vote for Terry McAuliffe. You need to cast that vote for Hala Ayala. You need to cast that vote for Mark Harry. And while you're at it, go all the way down the ballot. Don't stop till you reach the bottom. And then double check your work. Because we know all the way through. Because we know what is possible.
1: Yeah, we know what's possible. I thought it was really interesting. She said that she was not entitled to be governor. I guess she's referring to her race. That has to be the only reason she lost, right? Uh, According to the race baiters, that's the reason for everything. She said uh, the people in Virginia are not entitled to our progress. They're not entitled to our justice. Wow. These are the. This is the language of Marxism, and I'm. I'm just saying, uh, she's there supporting Terry McAuliffe, and he's a uh, you know very happily accepting it, and so that's what's happening. Virginia, the election is November the second, but I do want to talk a little bit more about what happened in Loudoun County. So um, you'll be interested to know that a, a group of parents are suing. Attorney General Garland, for violating free speech rights with the FBI school board memo. Remember, he said that he's uh, going to put the FBI on the case to investigate these uh, parents who may be potential domestic terrorists. And so the American Freedom Law Center is bringing suit uh, in the U.S. District Court of, uh, for the District of Columbia on behalf of the parents from both Sailing Michigan and Loudoun County. Sailing Michigan, uh, I haven't reported about that, and I don't know much about it. Uh, but they've both been hotbeds for parents fighting back uh, their school boards. And so um, this is what they say about the the legal filing. The AG policy, the Attorney General policy, is a direct threat and warning to parents and private citizens across the United States, including plaintiffs, that the Department of Justice and its FBI will be investigating you and monitoring what you say at these school board meetings. So be careful about what you say and how you say it, thereby chilling such expression, and they intend to fight it. And so there's, uh, there's that, and I'm grateful for that. And by the way, the prosecutor in Loudoun County, uh, the one that's trying to put, uh, was trying to put uh, Scott Smith, I think his name is, that was the father, yes, the father of the girl that was raped in the bathroom by a boy in a skirt in Loudoun County, uh, the one that was arrested at the school board meeting, dragged, had his, pa- his pants down, people mocking him, and he was so upset. Uh, by how the school board was responding to the rape of his daughter. Now we know that the—well, the, uh, the well, we knew this already, but I'm just telling you, you may, you may not know it— uh, that the Loudoun County prosecutor, whose name is uh, Buta Biberaj, uh is a George Soros-funded prosecutor. George Soros gave $659,000 to uh, Buta Biberaj to be elected as the— uh, Commonwealth attorney in Loudoun County. And so that's uh, what you get for your money, I guess. Uh, so that's part of the story over there. Now, I want to tell you, uh, Luke Rosiak has written another great article in the Daily Wire about what's happening in Loudoun. And I want to just to take a second to to give you what he is uh, he has been discovering. He says he's been looking at the dispatch records from the Loudoun County's Sheriff's Office. And I think the point of it uh, is that he was trying to figure out why, under what circumstances and for what reason uh, did the school officials contact the police? Was it to report the rape, or was it to punish the father? And so this is what he's found. Dispatch records from the Loudon County's Sheriff's Office suggest that a school administrator and school resource officer did not act urgently to involve police specialists in a reported rape on may twenty eighth at the Stonebridge High School. At 1.33 p.m., the resource officer who works full-time at the school handling routine matters but officially works for the sheriff's office radioed that he was briefed by assistant principal of a student that has made allegations of being possibly raped or touched unwanted by another student a couple of hours ago. Investigating at this time, and parents are, are and have been notified by the administration. And then it goes on to say uh, what Luke found is that the a student resource officer investigated, quote-unquote, for nearly an hour. And that was two hours after the alleged rape. Well, it was a rape. Now we know that because of the rape kit. It was a rape and worse. In case you've missed that part, it was even worse than that. It was much more complicated and horrific. And so um, the um, – okay, so they arrest, They the, the rape had taken two, two hours earlier, taken place, and now he was investigating for an hour past that. It's not funny. I'm not – I'm sorry, I laugh at inappropriate times. I don't think this is funny at all. At 2.21, 2.28, and 2.33, calls for police are finally placed, one requesting a supervisor, one requesting another unit, and one noted as an upset parent. Uh, Luke concludes that given these calls, that they they came in a nine-minute window well after officials first learned of the rape, it seems likely that the impetus for all three was not the rape but because uh, dealing with the upset parent. And uh, that's when Principal Tim Flynn sent out an email to the community. And I have read this to you before, but I just want to basically kind of give you the tone of it. Good evening, Stonebridge families. Uh, this is Stonebridge Principal Tim Flynn. There was an incident in the main office area today that required the Loudoun County Sheriff's Office to dispatch deputies to Stonebridge. Then he goes on to talk about uh, the incident was confirmed, but he says nothing about what happened to the student. He infers that it's the father who was causing trouble in the office. And then he ends by the safety of our students and staff is the top priority of Loudoun County Public Schools. And so um, Scott Smith, again the parent of the girl, uh, said that he was aghast to find the incident was being handled when he got to the school only by people who worked at the school, with the uh, resource officer seeming to take direction from the principal rather than a team of police officers that you would expect to be find, find at a crime scene. There were no outside police, no medics. He said the police responded to deal with the complaints about him making a scene in the office, not about his daughter being raped. Once on the scene, he said the team of police eventually became persuaded that what had occurred was a serious incident that required their attention and then escorted his family to the hospital where the rape kit was administered several hours later. Smith said he did not believe a rape kit would have been administered based on the laid-back way administrators' And the student resource officer appeared to be handling it on their own. The county prosecutor later said that the case relied on DNA evidence suggesting that if a rape kit had not been conducted that day, no substantiated rape would likely likely have been added to Stonebridge's books. Now, uh, let me move quickly here. Uh, uh, Principal Flynn's email made no mention of the rape, uh, and Loudon. Superintendent Scott Ziegler went on to tell the school board at the June 22nd meeting, and you will remember this, but it bears repeating, he had no record of sexual assaults in the bathrooms. Uh, He didn't know anything about that. We played that for you. The school system also reported on required statistics to the state of Virginia that it had zero sexual assault incidents in the school that year. Oh, the superintendent Ziegler later said he misunderstood the question in the board meeting, and he apologized for that reported error in reporting to the state that there were no sexual assaults when there, oops, there was one. The call also shows that they called the FBI, that the FBI called the school to find out what they could do. Why was the FBI calling? This is, you know, before the uh, order of uh, the attorney general uh, to, you know, bring the FBI into investigating, you know, a domestic terrorist parents who were objecting, putting teachers and school board members at risk. It's so bizarre and thank God for that lawsuit that's being brought by parents and maybe it will bear some fruit. If nothing else, it raises public awareness and hopefully intimidates at least some of these people that want to do really just wicked things uh, to our kids in the schools, uh, to parents. It's just uh, the world upside down. And we got to set it right, right? With God's help, we have to set it right. Okay, more information when we return, but you knew that, right? Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
3: a teenage jihadist comes to Christ. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International and I met young Ahmed when I visited the Middle East. His father died fighting for ISIS. His mother was an extremist and young Ahmed was going to be a suicide bomber by killing himself and others being sold out to violent Islam. Now, his mother and siblings, they came to Christ. They prayed nonstop for his salvation and when it came, he was beaten nearly to death by extremists. And when I caught up with him, several villages over, I asked, Ahmed, what's your Bible mean to you? And he said, I can look here and see where Jesus says they'll hate you because they hated me, and where Jesus says I'm with you always. Now listen, having a Bible it meant everything to him, and gave him perspective and his prayer was for believers there who need God's Word to endure and persevere, and I said, Ahmed, those Bibles, they're coming. Bible League invites you to send God's Word to Bibleist believers around the world. In our campaign The World Needs the Word, and only $5 a Bible, every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD 800-YES-WORD, or give it SendBiblesNow.org SendBiblesNow.org org
5: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next.
4: This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu.
5: From Pettis County, Missouri, comes a story of a modern-day Good Samaritan. Marine veteran Zach Walton is a creature of habit, but the other day he felt compelled to take another route home. He was driving along the H Highway when he witnessed a violent crash. The driver of a pickup truck lost control, went over an embankment, and landed in a creek. Zach rushed to the scene, found the driver trapped inside, water flooding the compartment, So, Zach jumped into the water and held the driver's head above the rising water line. Sheriff Brad Anders says it was nothing short of a miracle the driver survived. During a special ceremony at the sheriff's department, he introduced the injured motorist to his guardian angel. The sheriff honored Zach for his courage and empathy. A good Samaritan on a highway who had mercy on a wayfaring stranger. And as the good Lord told us, go and do likewise. I'm Todd Starnes.
4: Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the Morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the Morning on American Family Radio.
1: Okay, Sandy Rios, back with you. And, of course, uh, there's always lots of COVID news, and, and it's important because I think, you know, right now a lot of people are being laid off or having to make some very big decisions. And I want to bring you some updates on this. In fact, 9 in 10 uh, large employees are reporting that they are concerned at this mandate uh, that uh, companies that uh, have over 100 employees must uh, have their employees vaccinated. Really interesting, this comes from The Hill. It says a survey reveals uneasiness among employers over the impending workplace rule, which will require employers with 100 or more employees to mandate COVID-19 vaccinations or frequent testing. They're most concerned about losing workers amid an extremely tight labor market. Another two-thirds of the employers surveyed said that they cannot afford to pay for weekly COVID-19 testing for unvaccinated workers. And others are worried that they could lose unvaccinated workers to rival firms with fewer than 100 employees or to independent contracting companies that aren't subject to the rule. Um, and I just think that's a really interesting. Wanted to share that with you. Uh, Arizona, by the way, speaking of workers leaving, these Washington state troopers and policemen who are being laid off because they will not uh, take the vaccination. Many of them are going to Arizona. uh, And uh, according to this report, the Arizona Department of Public Safety is in the process of issuing several new badges to former Washingtonians and reviewing dozens of applications as the Northwest state begins firing officers for refusing a COVID-19 vaccination. Uh, And of course in uh, in, uh, Arizona, they're doing no such thing. And so, a lot of these troopers are finding finding a home in Arizona, and I bet they're finding a home other places too. I just think that's interesting. I want you to know some good news. Southwest Airlines uh, has done an about face. Now, not a total about face. I, I think I don't want to overstate it, uh, but they have they are dropping plans to put unvaccinated workers that are still waiting to be approved for medical or religious exemptions on unpaid leave starting in December. So they're not going to do that. You know, they uh, the uh, Southwest employees uh, demonstrated uh, in, uh, I guess it was Monday of this, I think it was Monday of this week, hundreds of them. We played a clip for you. And actually, if there are any Southwest employees listening uh, who have, you know, just want to weigh in on this, I would love to hear from you. I don't know what the chances of that are, but it would be interesting. We have a lot of people in Texas, and I'm assuming some of you work for th- Southwest I would love to know what you what you know about this if you participated in the rally. Uh what what's what's the buzz? You can call you can use a different name if you're concerned about, you know, using your name. Our phone number is 888-589-8840 589 8840 Also, I would include uh, any of the rest of you who are, you know, finding yourselves in the crosshairs with your job. I I know there are lots of you in that position if you have something uh, to report to us or talk to us about, and of course any of you in the military who are facing these very difficult decisions, we'd love to talk to you too. I have um, lots of other things to tell you. I I want to mention that uh, Dan Bongino, who uh, again, I'm not that this is important, because it isn't, and I'm not doing this because he's a friend, but he is. Dan is a champion. He's a, he is what he he's exactly. He's a genuine uh, hero. Uh, Dan means what he says. he believes what he says, and that's the reason he's putting his job on the line with cumulus radio. Um, he has said they have said there's going to be a mandate on their employees. And even though Dan was vaccinated because when he went to his cancer bout, his doctors wanted him to get vaccinated, he is uh, he's taking a stand for all other employees on this. He just he believes it's wrong, and he said they'll i'm not I'm quitting. If they are going to force employees to get vaccinated, I'm quitting. And so um, uh, our friends at uh, Americans for Limited Government have made it easy to weigh in uh, on behalf of Dan. And so we're going to put this on our Facebook page. It's Stand By Dan Bongino. It's a Stand By Dan Bongino campaign uh, uh, by Americans for Limited Government. It makes it real easy for you to send uh, an email to Cumulus Radio and so uh, I'll have Adam put that on our Facebook page, and you can respond to that. And if for some reason you can't get to Facebook, go to Americans for a Limited Government. Americans for Limited Government. Americans for a Limited Government. You'll see uh, the, the the way to do this uh, to help Dan Vangina on their on their page. Um, oh, so many things to tell you. Um, I just have to decide which. I for those of you in the military, this is really amazing. I told you this yesterday, but now we have more detail. Um, Liberty Council has filed a class action suit, along with a motion for temporary restraining order and injunction against Joe Biden, U.S. Secretary of State Department of Defense Lloyd Austin, and U.S. Secretary of Department of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas, on behalf of members from all five branches of the military, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, Federal employees and federal civilian contractors who have been unlawfully mandated to get the COVID shots or face dishonorable discharge from the military or termination from employment. I am actually going to come back to this because I want to share with you uh, the the, um, the the guts of this, and it's really kind of important. And there's a lot to share. But if, this is Matt Staver. I mentioned the lawsuit yesterday, but now I'm here. I'm reading more about it, and I want to bring it to you. But I want to stop for a second because. Kevin in uh, Louisiana is on the line. And if you are one of those persons that's caught in the crosshairs, or if you're with Southwest Airlines and you just have something to say about what's, what the buzz is uh, among employees of the com- company, uh, what your perspective is, uh, it would be great to hear from you and any of you in the military who have, you know, are caught right now with these terrible decisions. I would love to hear from you. Our phone number is 888 589 884 0, that's eight 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 five 8840 Let's go to Kevin in Louisiana. Good morning, Kevin.
0: Good morning, Sandy. Thank you so much for taking my call.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Yes, I'm a federal worker here, and I'm caught in the crosshairs, and uh, I'm trying to apply for a religious exemption. However, there is zero guidance on how to do that that has been provided by uh, my employment office. So, for example... I went over to my chaplain to go through the chaplain's office, and they said, you have to talk to your leadership? So I went to my leadership, and they said, you have to talk to the chaplain? The point is, for active duty, they seem to have things figured out. But for the civilians, they just don't know. And in fairness to my leadership, they don't know. They don't know what the guidance is.
1: Well, then, uh, then here's some real practical. Uh, this will apply to you, Kevin. Uh, Liberty Council is all over this. And I'm going to continue, let me, um, let me, see, how can we do this? I just don't trust Facebook. Uh, But if you look up Liberty Council on your own, we'll put this on our Facebook just by the outside chance they will allow it to stay there. It's military, federal employees, and civilian contractors, Sue Biden. And within this, it's several pages here, uh, they lay out the religious exemption, the reasons for it, all of that. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they have forms or guidance for you to seek uh, religious exemptions. They're not the only ones. Uh, First Liberty is doing that also, and so is um, Alliance Defending Freedom. So the, you go, those are the three um, th- that I know of, the three nonprofit uh, law firms that are helping people in your situation right now. Does that help you, you think?
0: It does, and then and then we did hear. This is rumor, of course. The active duty is a little bit ahead of us. Has not been through the full process. To be fair, but the initial layer of assessment, people on the inside are telling us, has been zero approved out of hundreds. I won't get in exact detail of how many of them, but zero approved. Again, they got to go through the whole process. And on um, the practical side. Where I, you know, I have religious suggestions because I see the bigger picture, but it may not meet the legal definition, which is kind of scary. But on the logical side, you know, I'm, I'm an analyst and they teach us how to analyze stuff. And when you see um, the amount of fatalities that they say for the federal workforce that we've lost to COVID, it's so minute, like 0. 0.0, it's less than half a percent. And they don't even factor in, you know, suicide to active duty. We had in one year, 500. 50 active duty out of, you know, one probably two to 4 million active duty, depending on how you count it. And not that they don't care about suicide. We just don't have a national effort, you know, about yes. suicide. Yep. And then for the federal workforce, they, they tell us for readiness, which when you're staff officers or worker, it's hard to define readiness because we're not deployable. We do a lot of important staff work. And they make it sound like we're – they're losing so many people to COVID, which they give you the numbers. It's just sixty-four thousand employees. There's probably three hundred fifty or four hundred COVID deaths. So you can do the math on that. And then, more importantly, uh, retirement. You know, it's I, um, My sources that I've looked into. I think around last year, there was about ninety-two thousand federal employees retired, which was far less in the last ten years. That's the fewest amount of retirees. Did telework for whatever. But my point is, we have people leaving the workforce all the time, and very few. You know, it's, it's minuscule for COVID. And yet that's the thing they're driving is that, you know, from the executive order on down, it's to maintain our readiness. And they make it sound like if we're not here, it affects readiness, but yet they'll have no problem firing us.
1: Well, you know, you Kevin... <laughs> You know this is, this is um, a big uh, scam would be, I'm not sure what to call it. This is, this is just a, a, a huge, talk about a big lie. Well, this would qualify. You know, here's just to give you an example to counter what you just said. In all four branches of the U.S. military, 67 of 67 members have died from COVID. Out of 247,583 cases, 2,252 hospitalizations, and 236,586 recoveries. Only 67 members have died of COVID in the military, all four branches. That's the scope. It's a very narrow scope. So uh, the only thing I know, I guess if I were, you know, in your living room talking to you, the only thing I know to say is I would just keep resisting and fighting. Just hang on and see if some of these lawsuits will take root, um, that's what I'm praying for. I know that Matt Stavert, I'm going to read to you some of this stuff, and I think you'll be encouraged. He's swinging. But I know it's your livelihood. You know, you've got family, you've got your pension to think about, your family. I can't, I, I just can't even imagine being placed in a situation like that, and yet I know that thousands and thousands of people are. And most are caving. You know, if they wouldn't cave, like Southwest has uh, they had a lot of employees that said, pilots, no way, we're not doing it. And they had a, a lot of employees that said, we're not, we are not, we are not doing it. Uh, and so they've had a result from that. That's what we need more of. I'm sure you know that. Uh, but you, anyway, Kevin, listen, we wish you um, God's blessing as you try to resist this, because we know the reasons why you're trying to resist, and they're serious reasons. And so um, it's... Um, if you listen to this show, I know that you're a man that believes in God. And I don't. only God can kind of work miracles in this situation, but he can. He can do it. So we'll just pray to that end. In fact, I'm going to pray, Father, I'll be with Kevin as he tries to make this uh, decision. And he tries. I'm sure he feels very alone and just really conflicted. And I pray that you'd give him strength and wisdom and courage. And you would give him favor. Grant him favor. If he makes phone calls and tries to get help, grant him favor. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Kevin, thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening and thanks for calling. And I want to let me just add um, Liberty Council. uh, Let me read a little bit more of this before I go back to the phones. Uh, Their plaintiffs are two Navy SEALs, a Navy EOD officer, Navy Senior Chief Petty Officer, Navy Chaplain. Two Marine lieutenant colonels, two Marine lance corporals, an Air Force major, Air Force technical sergeant, Army National Guardsman, an Army colonel, and a Coast Guard lieutenant. They're covering all the bases. And, of course, this is a representative group for all of you. And then they have non-military plaintiffs, including Department of Defense contractors. Maybe this would cover you, Kevin. I don't know. Uh, uh, Who've conducted intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, all kinds of people like that. I can't read this whole list. But uh, a lot of them are on this, too. And um, this Navy chaplain uh, says, I personally observed and the sailors told me in the course of counseling about tremendous amounts of coercion, bullying, censorship and intimidation being brought forth by the command to bear against to bear against the personnel who expressed objections of any kind to COVID shot mandates, including religious objections. And clearly the military has lost more lives in the increase in suicide from 2020 and 2021 than to all of the COVID in two years but suicide is not to focus. Um, he also goes on to make the point that we've been making that uh, the memo from the uh, defense department says mandatory vaccination against COVID-19 will only use COVID-19 vaccines that receive full licensure from the food and drug administration in accordance with FDA approved labeling and guidance. And now back to this uh, lawsuit. This is the wording of it. There is currently no FDA approved COVID 19 shots available anywhere in the United States. Keep that in mind. This is for the military, this is just not true. There is no fully approved vaccine from the FDA. It's still emergency use. The one that they say they've approved is one that's not being given here. That's the, the bait and switch. So, um, oh, I, I can't read, I could read more of this, but I do want to go back to the phone lines. I also. I want to remind you why we are, um, why it's not a good thing for men to get this vaccination. Why it is, given the number of people that are dying from this and the younger of men, young men, which is negligible, uh, it's not, um, it doesn't make sense. In fact, I got to save this because there's the music. When we come back on the other side, I want you to hear. Uh, a player for the Orlando Magic, Jonathan Isaac, weigh in on this because um, he's he's fighting back too. They're fighting back, you know, talk show hosts, uh, military people, uh, pharmacists even, we're going to talk about that, uh, are fighting. Business people are fighting. And that's what we have to do. We have to fight. This is our fight for our generation. Uh, it's one of the many, uh, whether it's, you know, critical race theory or transgenderism. It's the fight that God has called us to, and we're fighting it. So uh, don't go away. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
4: Washington Watch.
3: This is a crisis of our own making. And that hard-nosed determination to not admit it for political reasons is just really, truly disheartening. Yeah,
5: I I don't want to beat a dead horse, but on this particular issue, the contrast between the policies of the two administrations could not be sharper. As I've mentioned here on the program many times, I was at the border a little over a year ago. It was like a ghost town.
4: Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality.
7: I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture
8: to back it up.
5: The testimony very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope
4: in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net.
2: Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. No one likes to suffer difficult circumstances. In this era of easy believism, it's often conveyed, if life isn't always smooth, we're doing something wrong. The scripture teaches us, however, that our Lord often meets fruitful branches with additional pruning. The pruning is not punishment. It's actually to make us even more fruitful. If you're in a rough spot right now, take heart. What may feel like the squeeze to end all squeezes could very well be the Lord's pruning for additional fruitfulness. When the Lord prunes us, He does so for our good. Listen each
4: weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
9: Oh, wow. I hear a little
6: heartbeat, because they have a heartbeat when
9: they're like little little, 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 So I'm like, oh wow, this
4: is real. When this young mom came into a pre-born clinic, she was confused with nowhere to turn. After meeting with the pre-born counselors and meeting her baby on ultrasound, she chose life.
6: If I hadn't saw the ultrasound, it would have been a totally different picture. And I think about this, when I look at my daughter, I start tearing up, she would never be here.
4: The ministry of pre-born is there for moms in crisis, offering love, support, and free ultrasounds. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. Will you join Preborn in the cause for life? To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and baby. Your love can save a life. All gifts are tax deductible.
3: This is Frank Affney with the Secure
4: Freedom Minute. Missiles, missiles everywhere. Incredibly, the recent frightening revelation that communist China surprised US intelligence by launching a hypersonic missile designed for sneak nuclear attacks and defeating our missile defenses is now yesterday's news. Today's news is that the PRC's puppet, North Korea, has surprisingly launched from underwater, a short-range ballistic missile in the direction of Japan, a significant technical achievement for that otherwise backward country and boost for its principal export product, ominous arms sales. As we are sure to hear in the days ahead about Russian, Iranian, Hezbollah, Pakistani, and other missile threats, the question occurs, are we doing absolutely everything possible to have effective anti-missile defenses? The answer is no. We can and must quickly deploy sensors and weapons in space, utilizing unconventional guidance technologies to meet the present and growing danger. It's time for a Manhattan Project 2.0. This is Frank Affney.
8: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. It's not that people should not get the vaccine. That's not the argument. It's that for me, there aren't scientific, legal, or to me, moral grounds for the vaccine mandate itself. I think when you take into account the, the the nature of COVID, the nature of the vaccine that doesn't stop infection or transmission, the nature of natural immunity that hasn't been talked about, and then obviously the polarization by the media that has created such distrust, um, if this thing is just about protecting people and and protecting the public health. Why does you know, CNN have to lie about Joe Rogan taking horsey Warmer or why does the Rolling Stone have to willfully misrepresent my position on um, the vaccine of COVID? Why do these things have to happen if it's just about protecting people? So I think there are a lot of grounds to say this thing should be up for people's personal choice, right. on whether or not to get it. You know, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's for myself or, uh, you know, a lot of people said during the press conference, I spoke in the first person, but I really am. And I, I think other guys like Kyrie, or just anybody who's saying that it should be people's personal choice are thinking about other people um, and, and their freedom to make the decisions that they do. I think, like I said, when you take into account. The, the COVID virus that we have that the uh that the average death age is greater than um you know uh the uh, the life expectancy in the country and then you take into effect the vaccine that does not stop infection or transmission your decision to protect yourself um, from the virus is your own and taking the vaccine would do that i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the vaccine i think people um, who have you know uh pre-existing conditions or just feel they want to take that step to protect themselves from the virus not necessarily an unvaccinated person but vaccinated people are carrying it and transmitting it as well so it should be based on those premises and then again talking about the conversation of natural immunity it should be everybody
1: jonathan isaac of the orlando magic how articulate man he, maybe he, he has a future in something else i'm thinking uh, but uh, that's what he had to say about the vaccine mandate in the NBA. Uh, and then one last thing before i go back to the phone lines because they're filled and i want to hear your stories uh, this is amazing okay this is amazing Uh, The Department of Labor, this is an actual directive. The Department of Labor and OSHA, as well as other federal agencies, are working diligently to encourage COVID-19 vaccinations. OSHA does not wish to have any appearance of discouraging workers from receiving COVID-19 vaccination and also does not wish to disincentivize employers' vaccination efforts. As a result, OSHA will not enforce 29 CFR 1904's recording requirement to request any employer to record worker side effects from COVID-19 vaccination, at least through May 2022. Did you catch that? So you don't have to, even though it's a regulation, and these regulations are like, you know, commandments, uh, under the law right now, based on the way the federal government feels, OSHA is real. you know, employers, you don't have to report adverse events. Like if your employers, you know, you're making them get vaccinated. If they have, like they, let's say they uh, uh, die or they get myocarditis or blood clots or they lose babies or whatever might happen, you don't have to report it anymore, okay? Because we, um, what does that say? Uh, we're working diligently to encourage COVID nineteen vaccinations, and we don't wish to have any appearance of discouraging workers from receiving COVID nineteen vac- vaccination. We don't wish to disincentivize employers' vaccination efforts, so we're just going to not talk about it and not ask for you to report it. That's what they're saying. That's in writing. I'm not making that up. And one last thing I want to share because this will apply to all of or most of you. This is what Liberty Council says about the um, religious exemption. Uh, in their case, with the military and civilian uh, and federal contractors that they are re- representing, the plaintiffs that they're representing all hold sincere religious beliefs against the COVID shots on the basis that their body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and to defile it is a sin against God. In addition, the plaintiffs do not want to participate directly or indirectly or otherwise be associated with the destruction of human life through abortion by injecting a product that contains or was tested or developed with aborted fetal cell lines. So that's the reasoning that they're putting, that they've given, uh, they, how they've explained the religious exemptions. Okay, let's uh, let's get to the phone lines right now. Uh, let's go to Sharon in Arkansas. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning, Sharon hi what's your story Uh, sharon
7: um
1: shannon sorry shannon (laughs) sorry um
7: i i work for the va for the federal government you know um, my father was a veteran i have family that is in the military now and and it's just the they want to silence everything you go to speak truth um and it's not too long ago we were in a a big huge meeting you know everybody's connected via computers and I started typing in information about Peter McCulloch and his credentials and the treatments, you know, and that we shouldn't be forced to take this shot, you know, against our will. And, of course, they come back, well, maybe you're in the wrong work field. You know, you don't care about your patients. You don't care about your coworkers. You know, you need to do this for them. And it's like um, we've already seen a, a veteran take the shot on Tuesday. Pass on Saturday, you know, some that were healthy, now stooped over with congestive heart failure, you know, fighting for their life, fighting for the next breath. And I I won't, this out of glory, take that thing. But whenever you start typing these things in, they say, you need to keep your comments respectful. You need it. And it's like, this is all with respect and it's all truth. And, you know, they pulled the plug. So out of hundreds of computers, you know, in a meeting, mine gets blacked, mine gets shut down. They don't want truth. And, you know, they keep asking us to attest in different places in files, not in paper, now in this file. And it's like, you know, so many of us are going to be walking away from our jobs because we're not going to be taking this. And um, we see so many things on the background. You know, you've got one doctor that will write for ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. And then you've got another one coming yelling down the hall how how bad and how crazy we are for taking horse medicine, and everybody's going to die from that, you know. So there's a lot of division, and um, I can just tell you the morale of our vets, even our seniors, you know, even one <laughs> that's got a disability in one leg, he goes, or I've got one kidney that's functioning, he goes, I, I you know, in their 70s, 80s, he goes, uh, I, if there's a war, I would go. I would fight. I would defend our country, you know, still. And um, it's it's just really, really sad to see that, uh, you know, I've got your <laughs> – podcast I listen to all day long every day or I can share with them information and truth and I just want to thank God that you guys are there for us to make the stand with correct information and it's just kind of scary the control the government's got.
1: Yes, it is. It it certainly is, Shannon. I guess the only thing as I'm listening to you talk um the only thing that i comes to my mind is that one day at a time. Just hold fast. Yeah. One moment at a time, one day at a time, hold fast the truth. Hold fast on the truth. And uh, and it sounds like you are doing that, and it's you're paying a price. But, you know, did you hear Abraham in that little, uh, his uh, commentary a few minutes ago about how God, this is preparation. This is preparation for all of us. Some of us are further along in this process of paying a price. Those of you guys who are working for the federal government are really on the line um, but it's coming for all of us. And um, so uh, this is, you know, this is, a, this is tough, but this is testing you, and it sounds to me like you're passing the test right now. So just one day at a time, Shannon, one day at a time. Yeah. And I think, like I said to uh, um, uh, our first caller, Kevin, uh, just, uh, you know, stall. <laughs> just do the right thing and see if we can have some victories here, and we'll see if God will grant some victory that will prevent you guys from having to give up your jobs. Uh, But thank you for calling and thank you for your courage. Okay. And we'll talk to you soon. Keep in touch. Okay.
7: Yes. God bless you all. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Thank you. All right. Let's go to Dale in Oklahoma. Good morning, Dale. What's going on with you?
2: I just went through the gate. Actually, I'm on an air force installation and I just want to concur with Kevin um and also shannon i think was her name and kevin you're not alone we are federal workers all over but they keep moving the goalpost. at first it was like if you don't take it you're going to be tested weekly then they figure out they can't do that because of the overbearing the clinics and the cost so now they come back with you're going to have to take the shot or leave and i am doing my very best to rally the troops here but We have religious exemption letters ready to go, and my supervisor will not take mine. He said, there's no way they're going to march 20,000 of you guys out this gate. And I said, you don't know that. I want this in my file. And he said, I don't need it yet. And then they come back and say the format's wrong. We're getting emails all the way from the Secretary of Defense, and they're saying, well, the, the format's wrong. I've rewritten my letter in their format three different times. But I will tell you, and I hope everybody that's a federal worker, civilian, will listen. You're not alone, and I am ready to walk through the fire. I told my boss that. I said, I don't know if you went to Sunday school when you were a kid, but have you ever heard the story about Daniel in the lion's den or the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I said, that's me. I'll go through this fire. God has never, ever, ever forsaken me. In 54 years, he's never left me high and dry. No matter what that looks like, it's going to be rough, but he will walk through us, and you're not alone.
1: Wow, Dale. That's uh, amazing. You, you just make the, you know, the chills go through me because I serve the same God, and what you said is true. I want to ask you practically to do something. Uh, I think you should check with First Liberty. That's Michael Berry. Uh, they center, they they concentrate on issues in the military. I've known Mike since we were trying to defend the chaplains, like ten, fifteen years ago. Uh, so, Michael Berry, First Liberty, contact him and see if he can help you in any way.
2: Okay. I, I have I I, re- I reached out to them about a month ago, and I've got a lot of information from them. And I'm also fodder, following the Matt Saber deal. I think I I I do believe all of us are included in that all of us as federal employees are included in that class action that Liberty Council has filed. That's yeah. my understanding. Yes. I well, I just encourage them. Do not give in. You make them deny you access to the base.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, we heard it. <laughs> Thank you, Dale. Thank you. God bless you. Stay strong. We'll, we'll see you in the fire. <laughs> I'm sure we will. God bless you. All right, let's go to uh, Jake. Uh, no, hang on a second. <clears throat> let's go to Kenneth in Texas. Good morning, Kenneth. Good morning, Quickly, Sandy. if you can.
9: Yes, I work for Union Pacific. I've been for 32 years. I've uh, uh, considered a frontline worker, and roughly two weeks ago, they started enforcing the vaccine mandate. They gave us until October the 26th to start getting vaccinated, or they're going to walk, like I said, they're going to walk us off the property. Uh, They're turning down religious exemption. Mine was turned down that uh, they were the final authority and there was no appeal. And they're not giving any any reasons why.
1: See, I think that's unconstitutional. And I honestly don't think even now that will stand up in court uh, because uh, religious exemption is part of the DNA. We have laws on the books, federal laws, protecting people's religious conscience. And so, Kenneth, uh, hang in there. Hang in there. And uh, don't give up and make sure you've got a record. Of the filing that you uh, took, and and uh, let's just see, uh, that's that's the best I can say right now. But and you heard the other things we've already said. So thank you for your call, and God bless you. Let's go to a, a buddy in Texas, Betty. Quickly, if you can No, actually, buddy, I'm going to go to Jake in Arkansas. Good morning, Jake.
9: Good morning, Sandy. I, I appreciate everything that you do, but we got a praise report today for yesterday. The school that my kids go to, they come home and they was rejoicing. They don't have to wear the mask anymore. And I, I will tell you that, um, try to be quickly that the iodine, and and zinc, and aspirin work. It will cure people. I had a lot of friends that that took it and they got better in five days. So it will work. Now you didn't say that. I said it. I oh, seen it. Work. I say
1: that almost so, every day. <laughs> no, it's oh, your well, right, I Jake.
9: I don't want them to come at you because oh, thank you. they will be coming at you. I'm going to warn you now. Anytime that you tell the truth, I get thrown off of Facebook all the time because I'm a yeah. preacher and I tell my people the truth. And yeah. they throw me off because if you tell the truth on there, I imagine zinc and aspirin will heal a person. Yeah. But they said it, it'll kill you. But I'm here to tell you I have seen it and experienced yeah. it. It will cure people.
1: Yes, Jake, actually, right, I've got to let you go, but you're right, and I'm glad you got a chance to say that. Elaine, quickly, I'm sorry, we only have just a minute. Elaine in Oklahoma?
6: Yes, hi, good morning. Okay, I'll get right to it. My name's Elaine. I work for a senator here at the Capitol on his EA. Back in July, uh, Senator Hamilton, he wrote a letter to Governor Stitt calling for a special session in regard to the plethora, I'm talking hundreds of people. Actually, forget hundreds. I've, we've counted the emails. We've stopped Elaine, at Elaine, Elaine, listen,
1: I, I'm all, we're running out of time. Would you do me a favor? Please stay on the line and let the guys get your contact information, because I think this is something we we'll want to talk about, and I, I just don't have time to hear the whole story right now. Uh, so please do that, and let's let's talk and I'll find out what it is you're going to say, and I'll present it to our audience, okay? Thank you, and God bless each and every one of you, Sandy Rios, in the morning on AFR Talk.
4: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.